The words family farm are so general that they are essentially meaningless. In fact, there are as many different farms as there are farmers, different production practices, different products, different ways of marketing those products. I think it's always interesting as we work to get a better understanding of where our food comes from to talk to farmers and see what they do, how they do it, and why they do it. My name is Mike Von Masso, and this is the Food Focus Podcast. My guest today is Kyle Oakley, who, along with his family, runs a an apple and vegetable farm, as well as a small grocery store or farm market called Goldsmiths. We talk about what, how they make decisions, how they farm, how growing vegetables is different than you might remember in your grandmother's garden. Uh, I I have memories of of my parents gardening when I was a kid, and it was not my favorite thing to do to spend uh, a Saturday afternoon with a hoe getting weeds out. Uh, And Kyle assures me that uh, while they still have to hoe occasionally, it's not uh, the predominant way that they manage vegetable production. So I think it's interesting. He talks about how they make choices as to what crops to grow, how they are evolving, how labor plays an essential role in their success, and how uh, different from farming having a food store, food retail store is. Uh, I think you'll find the conversation really interesting and worthwhile. Well, hi, Kyle. Uh, thanks for taking the time. I expect this is a busy time of year for you. Yeah, morning, Mike. No, uh, happy happy to be on this. And uh, yeah, it is a busy time of year. Lots going on. We're about halfway through our um, our big push for getting vegetables into the ground and everything uh, ready for the, uh, the growing season. Well, tell me a little bit about your farm because, you know, I know you're up in Thornbury, Gray County, uh, and uh, that's not sort of where many of us think about vegetable production, maybe apple production. So tell me a little bit about your farm. So the farm, so to start off with, uh, I farm with, uh, it, it's a full family organization. Yeah. So uh, I'm farming with uh, Brad and Teresa, mother and father, uh, and then uh, as well as my sister as part of the organization, as is my wife, Debbie. And uh, we have a fantastic team of people from, from near and a farm who help us to grow what we do as well as uh, manage our, um, our market, um, which is an on-farm market all operating year-round. Um, but as far as the farm goes, we have uh, 160 acres of orchard and uh, about 40 to 45 acres of what we like to call our, our market garden. Okay. And what do you grow in the market garden? So in the market garden, we have um, a little bit of a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, we have, uh, you know, field tomatoes, grape tomatoes, uh, cut flowers are becoming a bigger and bigger part of what we do, uh, as well as uh, sweet corn, garden peas or green peas, green beans, yellow beans. Lettuce is something that we've started to grow in the last couple of years well as cantaloupe, squash, pumpkins, gourds, kind of to round it out, uh, as well as gladiolas and uh, lilies and, and different things for bouquets that we make, uh, make for the market. So, so is, is, the, is the portfolio of products you grow 
driven by demand in the market in the in in the store or the the direct to consumer facility you have or is it a risk diversification strategy so if one crop doesn't do as well the other one does better or or how do you sort of decide what you're going to grow so yeah really the market our our uh, our on farm market goldsmiths uh, farm market and bakery is the driver of what we are producing in our market garden I would say right around 95% of what we grow in our market garden goes direct to consumer through our on-farm market. Um, it's a small percentage of the apples that we grow, grow through the market. Um, but yeah, Jeff, definitely tailoring what we are growing to in the market garden to the, to the market is what we, what we do. The on-farm market and the market garden started as a risk diversification from apples. Um, I wanted to come home and uh, we, we realized that there probably wasn't enough at that time in the orchard to sustain a, you know, a second family. So at that time we, we set about with a plan to revitalize the orchard by uh, replacing 45 acres, semi-dwarf trees uh, to high density uh, apples, as well as getting into the direct to consumer, which at that time was in a 20 by 40 tent. Um, and then we purchased what was known locally as Goldsmiths in uh, 2013. So, so, so it was, a, a, I'm just interested. I just re recorded an intro for my last podcast, which was a conversation with some young farmers. And, and one of the challenges is getting home and creating enough income for uh, another family, which is exactly what you just outlined, right? So not only diversifying risk, but expanding the enterprise so that uh, you had uh, the ability to come home and uh, your dad and mom weren't ready to retire. So you needed to generate, uh, you needed to generate a, a, a more revenue to support more, more families. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And then, then of course, since then, uh, my wife has been able to join the operation, as has uh, my sister Krista, have been able to to come home in order to, uh, you know, keep everything keep everything going. It uh, our our vision was realized uh, a little bit quicker than we thought was possible, and uh, then we we moved into a stage and are still kind of coming to grips with that now, of just getting a handle on where we're at and where we're going now. Um, everything was moving so quickly. And then uh, through the last two years with the pandemic, it's been a very uh, challenging um, time for, for everyone uh, at, in society as, as a whole, but certainly uh, their own set of unique challenges for uh, the market and for the farm. How did, I mean, clearly you have local business where you are at, but but you're also in an area where you have a lot of, uh, tourist traffic, and I expect your farm market, uh, and 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 maybe not even tourists, but sort of people who have second homes, skiers in the winter, and and campers and cottagers in the summer. How did the pandemic affect your direct to consumer business, the the actual market? So you're absolutely right. This has always been a seasonal business. Um, to a large extent, certainly the winters have been quieter than the, the summer months. You know, we kind of kick off our busy season with May 2-4 weekend. Yeah. And it goes right through until a couple weeks after Thanksgiving. It's, you know, full speed ahead. 
what happened at the beginning of the pandemic is we saw an uh, increase in traffic at the market and increase in cart size as well. As people looked to smaller establishments to get in and get out with the products that they wanted, which were staples every to everything that we already had. So what we, we ended up doing is having to move quickly in getting the products that our customers were asking for, which was a lot of staples that we generally weren't into carrying before the pandemic began. And then uh, also we quickly um, brought on an idea, which was the online store. So we, we moved fully to having about 90% of our products uh, available through an online ordering system as well. And then it was probably, I'm going to say three or four months into the pandemic that people started to realize this was going to be a longer term thing than everyone had hoped for. And then what started to happen locally was exodus from your big population centers, uh, you know, the Golden Horseshoe, GTA. People were moving out to their second homes and saying, you know what, I'm going to stay here. We're doing online schooling anyway, so the kids can be here. Or they were selling or purchasing their second home in the area. So there was a lot of people have moved into the area over the last two years. Um, so that had a really big effect on, uh, on what we were doing at the market. Yeah. So do you, think, do you think that as we get to a summer that is more quote unquote normal, do you think that you will continue to have that product mix in the store, some of those staples? We don't really have a, we never really have a set plan. It's yeah. more hundred percent response to what people are asking for. Yeah. If someone's looking for this product or a couple people have asked us for a product, we're going to go and search it out and find it and bring it in. So it's definitely a response to what people are asking for or what they're not buying. Um, and what has happened is people have gone back to a little bit more of their usual uh, habit and, and purchase cycle. Um, so the cart size within the last number of months has, has decreased a bit. Um, and what they're putting into the cart has decreased uh, as well. So the staples aren't necessarily a part of what people are looking to us for. We still may people will buy it for the weekend or that type of thing. But in general, um, you know, people are looking for those staples from where they usually purchase them. Yeah. So th that, that, that was kind of what my expectation was. So, so let's go back to the farm. And, and again, here we are on the last day of May and, and uh, you're inside talking to me and I appreciate uh, it's, all, it's all good. But uh, I expect, and correct me if I'm wrong, I expect that you stagger planting out so that product comes mature from when it's first possible to start selling green beans or any of those things till after the second week, after two weeks after Thanksgiving, you want products to come mature at different times. And, and what I think a lot of people don't think about is that that means you have to plant them at different times. Absolutely. So, yeah. So part of our overall strategy on uh, making sure that we have product available as long as possible has uh, been recently, we've put up uh, two small greenhouses. Okay. Um, over the last couple of years. So we started with a 30 by 50 greenhouse in 2020 and uh, immediately realized that it needed to be bigger. So we put up a uh, 35 by 190 last year. Um, so as the response to that is we've already harvested some green beans out of the, uh, out of the greenhouse over the last month. 
and uh, we've been harvesting English cucumbers for a bit over a month, month and a half as well. Um, so we've had our own English cucumbers for that period of time. So yes, you're definitely, definitely planting consecutive plantings yeah. in order to, to do it, as you said, uh, you know, spread it out. So we, we have a very late last frost in compared to someone in Norfolk County, for example. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're not really putting much in the ground before the 20th of May, maybe even May 24th. Because it's not unheard of for even now, the you know the last day of May, to get a frost. Yeah. Um, we uh, you know this is a super hot day today, high of you know 30, 31 perhaps, and then uh, it looks like we're going to have some more normal weather over this next week with uh, you know the lows being as low as nine uh, or eight perhaps even uh, over the next couple of nights. So it's by no means um, hot at this time of the year usually. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, you know, we're planting in uh, green beans and uh, peas for uh, every, you know, every couple of weeks we're putting those in. Corn we're planting sequentially every, you know, five to seven days until the end of July. Um, sometimes it doesn't make it through the fall, if it, but if it's a warm fall, then, uh, you know, it, it's not, not out of the question that we'll have our own uh, sweet corn for Thanksgiving. Well, that's, that's, that's really good. And so, and do you use the greenhouse to extend the season in the fall as well? So, so the greenhouse gave you cucumbers and beans early in the season. So you're selling local fresh beans now, uh, when, when that's not possible in the, but do you, will you then plant it in during the summer as well to extend through, you know, maybe the Christmas season or is, or is it really just extending the summer? Yeah, we're going to use it for both. We'll, <clears throat> we're going to put in the middle of summer, we'll put in our, our fall crop. Um, so what we'll hope to do um, is, is get into, you know, middle November, that type of thing, or maybe even late November. It just depends on the year. Yeah. It'll depend on the amount of sunlight and how cold it is. Generally, December is a very, very dark month throughout the province, but especially in this snow belt area. Yeah. Um, it gets very dark, so it costs a lot of money to heat, especially with propane being up about 50% over the last year. Um, it It is a big, big cost. So we have to have to weigh that all out to make sure that it's we're going to be successful in doing it. Yeah. So so you said earlier that uh, you, uh, you're a very much a seasonal business. You know, that area gets busy from sort of the May long weekend till after Thanksgiving. But there is traffic up there in the winter for variety of things, and there are still locals and that sort of thing. Do, your store stays open year round. Yep, so we're open year round, and certainly um, the environment we have now is completely different than we did uh, before the pandemic, because there is that many more people in the area. But certainly busier through the the winter than it ever has been before. Um, but generally, yes, there still is that cyclical nature, but tons of skiing, tons of, you know, cross-country skiing. A lot of trails are starting to uh, to be groomed and that type of thing in the year where it, through the winter where they haven't been before. So, yes, it's certainly a four-season area, um, just it is a little bit quieter usually in the winter. But we'll, we'll have to see. Everything is almost like starting fresh, and I, I think everyone feels that too. There's a lot of people establishing... Uh, you know, new habits and new routines and new ways of doing things. And um, a lot of people, I think, have realized the importance of uh, taking time to care for self uh, throughout this this whole pandemic. And uh, 
to a lot of people that means spending more time outdoors uh, with their family or solo, that type of thing. Um, so there's a lot of new new ideas out there about what it means to be alive, I guess you could say. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, we're, and we kind of feel that and see that uh, through the products that people are asking for. Um, and also just, just in general of when, what days are busy of the week and uh, you know, how busy we are first thing in the morning versus after the workday and that type of thing, everything is different. Yeah. So it's a lot of, of constantly kind of appraising what's going on and, and how can we best suit to serve our, serve our customers, the great food that we're able to offer in this area. Um, you mentioned apples. Yes. Ap- apples are, are a huge part of what Gray County is now and has always been uh, since the 1830s. Actually, this area has been producing uh, apples and, and is still the largest acreage of apples as a region in, in the province. Yeah, and and many people wouldn't think, you know, up nestled in the in the Beaver Valley, mostly uh, along along Georgian Bay, what a big apple producing area it is. I think it, it it's sort of people don't have a good understanding of where things can and do grow in, in Ontario and in fact across the country. Obviously, you know, you with your greenhouses, you've extended, you've opened the spring up a little bit, and and you'll extend till till November. Do you sell fresh produce throughout the winter as well and just get it from another source? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, we do. Um, we, we tend to look at ourselves as a, as a specialty grocery store offering just the highest quality product that we can, we can obtain. Uh, local, 100%, soon as it's available, we're there. Uh, yep. But in those seasons when it, it's not available, then yes, we're, we're definitely you know, still procuring the best pro- quality product that we can. And and then offering it to our customers uh, throughout the year. So how does a how does a an operation like yours get fresh produce in the winter? Are you using the Ontario Food Terminal? Are you developing relationships with other distributors? Or or I expect it's 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 not easy uh, for for a like you say a specialty store in Thornbury, Ontario, to 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 come up with some of these things. So yes, we do. We do work, have a variety of relationships. Um, certainly, uh, having a, a buyer at the food terminal is, is part of our, our whole plan yeah. uh, to to round out our product offering when we can't have that local stuff available. Um, and uh, yeah, we, you know we're working we're working directly with them, uh, you know, in order to establish what we want, and they have a good understanding of what is going to sell in our our store. You know frequent conversations and, and, uh, and getting it all figured out so that we can just have that top quality product. And that's really what they are in the market to do. So it, it works out well. So we send a truck down um, multiple times a week in order to pick up the, the freshest product that's available um, from the terminal or through other parts of the province as well and, uh, and then bring it here. So uh, it's interesting, and and I've been. I, I think the terminal is one of the coolest places on the face of the earth. I, I love it, and I uh, I had a conversation with a local uh, supermarket, a, a small specialty store here in in Fergus called Fraberts. I don't know if you're familiar yep. with it. I am. Uh, yep. Jackie Jackie does the shopping at the terminal herself, but I do know from tours that they have people who will go and do the buying. Yep. Why does it make sense for your operation to have someone do that for you? I think it, it really what it comes down to is how much time in the day is there. 
Yeah. Um, you know, in order to get the freshest or even to have it be possible to get when there's high demand for some products, especially local, um, you need to be at the terminal probably at one, two o'clock AM at the latest yep. in order to, to procure that stuff. So there's not really an opportunity to be down at the market shopping at one, two, three o'clock in the morning, uh, coming back and then having a sensible day of, you know, getting things, making sure everything is operating smoothly at the market and on the farm. There's just not possible to do it all. Yep. No. And that makes sense. So, you know, I grew up in a family that gardened and, and frankly, don't have particularly good memories of gardening as a kid. Uh, I've started to do it a little bit again with uh, a very small area in my backyard and some, and some planters on the deck, but a market garden like yours is completely different from the picture many people will have of, of gardens in the backyard. These are, I mean, large technical, this is a farm. Tell us a little bit about the type of equipment you have, the type of things that you do, just to, to paint a picture for people where their food comes from. Absolutely. So I think I'd, I'd like to start off by saying we have a, a large team at certain times of the year, certainly when it comes to apple harvest of very dedicated individuals um, that we wouldn't be able to be farming without. You know, some of these, some of these people have been with us for, uh, you know, over 25 years, so they're very skilled and we couldn't do it uh, without them. A lot of them, a good number on our team are coming from, uh, from Jamaica mm -hmm. and we are absolutely honored that they choose to return each and every year uh, to us and, 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 you know, do the work that uh, we do together as a team, uh, producing fantastic Ontario grown product. So, you know, I would be remiss without mentioning them and the, uh, the incredible work that they do um, and which often gets overlooked as a Canadian person. Um, we would not have the food system we do without the people that are uh, making themselves available to come from afar uh, to produce what we do here in Canada. But as far as, you know, what makes us different than a, than a market garden, than your, your standard backyard garden? In a lot of ways, everything, and in a lot of ways, nothing at all. You know, what, what do you want to eat and uh, what do you want to sell are often the same type of thing. Um, so are we producing it in as ecologically sustainable way possible? Absolutely. And I don't think there's another farmer out there that isn't doing the same. Um, you know, they're, they're living usually on the same piece of land that they're producing with. Uh, so that means doing things responsibly so that, uh, you know, future generations of their own family or other families can, can do the same type of thing on the land. But everything is bigger. You're absolutely right. Um, so, you know, we have some larger tractors, not large in the whole scheme of things for tractors, but, uh, you know, we have a 150 horse tractor, which we use to plant, uh, plant trees. It has uh, a full, uh, auto steer GPS auto steer, uh, so that it, you know, we're able to put trees or our raised beds or that type of thing, uh, in with, uh, up to about one inch accuracy. Um, so that allows for a lot of things in the orchard. It allows us to put in with the future in mind that we know robotics are coming and coming quickly. And we know that it's going to have to be a very 
everything is going to have to be symmetrical and has to be the same each row to the next. So that reason, that's the reason to to put it in with that much accuracy. And, uh, you know, you mentioned you didn't have great memories of probably uh, on the end of a hoe was one of the things you don't have a great memory (laughs) of. And, uh, you know, we certainly still have hoes and they come out not as much as they often once did because there's more mechanization, but we certainly still rely on them. Um, in order to, you know, weed around our, our specialty flowers or that type of thing, uh, that, you know, there isn't a, a chemical solution or a larger mechanical solution to deal with the weeds that are popping up, that type of thing. Um, so certainly, you know, what you are choosing to buy as a consumer um, is ultimately what we are going to choose to put in the ground so that we have a market for our product. Uh, it doesn't do any good to produce fields and fields of product if there's no end use for it. Yep. Uh, so, so you know, people are saying, oh, I love, you know, your garden peas. We've developed a real following for our garden peas. When they come out, people are snapping them up because they know they're delicious. And it often reminds them of their grandparents' garden uh, that of a certain age. There's, there's, I think there's a lot of people that, remember grandparents garden and i think there's a lot of people that haven't had that experience because grandma and grandpa perhaps didn't live in a single family home with a large backyard um you know they've grown up in in some of the population centers so that wasn't a possibility and those people are now discovering a lot of the uh the flavors and the experience of say our garden peas but also of growing there, you know, the pandemic has given people a lot of often more time than they had before for a variety of variety of reasons. And people have picked up growing and they're saying, you know what, I'm going to try that. I think a lot of people picked it up and probably didn't enjoy it, but there's probably an equal number of that said, you know what, that was great. That was really relaxing or I enjoyed it. And it was very fulfilling in order to go out into my backyard or even my planter that I put on the balcony and pick my tomato or pick my whatever they've decided to grow or if it was in case of flowers look at and it was very fulfilling so you know and that's the same feeling that we get just on a different scale so when you're you know looking at your field and it looks great and there's no weeds and uh, the product is coming off and it's of the quality you want and uh that's extremely fulfilling. It's equally crushing when you go out and you realize that it's not going to be possible to harvest anything off of those acres uh, for a variety of reasons. The plants died or the quality of the product isn't there or the weeds got too high because you missed step on one portion of it along the way. Um, So that's, that's the other side of it all is just, you know, it's, it's equally fulfilling, but it's equally crushing uh, to a larger extent. And it, it, you know, the analogy that's sometimes used is you put your paycheck out there in the field or in the case of an apple tree, you staple it to the side of an apple tree. If you get enough water, something doesn't eat it. You know, you don't get a hailstorm come through all of these different scenarios. And if it's still there at the end of the year, then you get it. Otherwise you don't. Yeah. Um, and you've and, got all that I, investment in at the beginning. Exactly. Yes. All the money is, all the money is spent, um, you know, by the middle of June and you've still got another, uh, you know, three months to, uh, to battle it out in order to get to the end product. And that, and then perhaps you will realize depending on market conditions, yeah. the, the paycheck that, you know, you, you think, uh, you think you deserve. 
Yeah, I've got a couple of quick questions before I've wrapped up. I've, I've no kept problem. you a little, a, oh, kept no, you a little it's all, longer. All good, all good, Mike. All good. Oh, it's it's oh. enjoyable to talk about this. I mean, this is this is what uh, you know. If you don't have a passion for agriculture, or you don't have a pa- passion for you know food retail, I don't think you can be in the business. No, <laughs> I, I, and I say that with all honesty. And then combining the two of them, we didn't really quite realize what we were getting ourselves into. We had, you know, agriculture has been part of our family for for generations, so we had a good understanding of that. And retail, we thought we had an understanding of, and then we got our minds kind of blown up. Um, yep. it, it, it's you know, it's like combining the worst of of two worlds uh, in certain ways, and and trying to manage them. Um, they're both twenty four seven businesses. Yep. Um, you have to live and breathe all the time, uh, and and be passionate about it in order for it to be a real success. Um, I think, uh, you know, and and that certainly can be a positive and that can be a negative both depending on the time of the year and what the other competing interests for time are. So, so I'm interested, I mean, you talked about diversifying into, uh, into direct to consumer, into your, into your, uh, farm market, uh, as a part, as a way of increasing the, the revenue base so that, uh, there was, that there was some potential for you and then your sister to come home. You also talked about, if market conditions are right, you make more than your uh, your costs back. Does having a direct-to-consumer farm market, does having your grocery store take some of the cyclical revenue risk out of being a market gardener? Certainly it does to a point, but at a certain way too, there's people only have so many food dollars to spend or they feel they only have so many food dollars to spend. And certainly it's going to be interesting going through this year as everyone is super hyper conscious of what they are spending and how much it's costing. Um, You know, inflation is is certainly there and uh, we can see it very much in um, the cost of the goods that we are, that we're putting on the shelves. And I don't think necessarily that uh, that inflationary pressure is going to be gone anytime soon. And I think it perhaps only will get a little more extreme. All of the inputs, as you, we already had mentioned, you know, are, they're already going in the ground now, yeah. but the the payback for those inputs is not going to occur for another two to three months yeah. or, or four months uh, within this area of the world. So in order for farmers to continue to grow year to year, they're going to have to recoup those costs. Um, and I think certainly the markets appear that they're, they're doing so doing that at the moment, but if everything continues to go up, commodities are going to go up and that's going to increase the overall food bill. So, but as far as the cyclical nature of the market garden, yes, it does help. Um, because you know, it, people have a following for our garden piece. So they're going to, they're going to pay what they feel they're worth. And, uh, usually that can align fairly well with what we feel they're worth as well so that we can be you know making enough to continue to do it the next year ultimately there is competition you get to you know if you're a specialty grocery store or you're at the farmer's market you can't ask the moon if someone else is able to produce it and sell it for less Um, and that goes right for the you know the major grocery chains and all of that they all everything 
plays into the basket of what uh, what people are going to pay. So you have to be cognizant of what the your competition is also charging at the same time. Um, and then in the case of apples, it's a you know everyone likes to think of apples as kind of a specialty thing, which they are, but they are very much a global commodity in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, so very much affected by what has happened in, in New York state or Washington is the biggest influencer of our price here in Canada. Uh, but certainly in Ontario and, and BC to a very large extent is what is the Washington crop doing? Cause they are the largest area of apple production within North America. Yeah. So, so it helps, but it's not a silver bullet. In Correct. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yep. So, so uh, Kyle, that's that's been awesome. I've really enjoyed the conversation. I think I could talk to you for hours on end, and I'm looking I forward. I think we could to, for sure. I, I, I'm looking forward to coming up and visiting again. Um, absolutely, anytime. Yep. But, but I just wanted to finish with. If listeners wanted to sort of get a sense of what you do on the farm, I've I sort of met you through Twitter at yep. Kyle Oakley. Um, and I think that that people who are interested in in how a market garden works should should follow you, uh, because a good bit of the stuff you tweet out is here's what we're doing today and here's what it looks like. And I think it's a good way for people to see um, uh, if they're up in Thornbury, they should s stop by Goldsmiths. And where can they find you online, Kyle? So we're on at uh, goldsmithsmarket.com. Uh, we're also on Instagram and Facebook where we do a lot of updates for the market, but also updates about what we're growing and what's coming along in the greenhouse and that type of thing. Um, and I believe those handles are also at Goldsmiths Market, both on Instagram and Facebook. And yes, personally um, on Twitter, uh, Kyle Oakley GB, um, at Kyle Oakley GB is, is where I'm at there. GB being Georgian Bay, of course. Yeah. Um, so uh Yes, absolutely. Follow along and uh, be part of the journey. Great. Well, thanks, Kyle, and uh, and have a great summer. And uh, maybe if I'm stopped in at Goldsmiths, I'll, I'll say hello. That wraps up another episode of the Food Focus podcast. We very much appreciate you taking the time to listen. If you just discovered Food Focus, you can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. If you enjoy the podcast, please give us a review. It helps others find us. Before we go, I want to thank my producer, Zach, for his hard work in making each episode sound good. He does the hard work and we get to have all of the fun. Thanks. Have a great day.